What is going on, football show? It's Thursday, and we're back. I missed you guys. I missed you, Zach. I'm Braden. How are you, buddy? Doing pretty good. It's a little gloomy out here. I can't tell if it decides if it wants to rain or if it doesn't want to rain up in Goodlitzville, but it is what it is, I guess. It, it is what it is. One of the greatest sayings in the history of humankind, of course. Welcome to a football show. Brought to you by Sinkers Beverages, the Kingston Group as well. We'll give you an update on our giveaway. Again, a trip for two with Zach and Sinkers Beverages. I guess I'll be there too to Wild Turkey Distillery in Kentucky uh, to pick out and help pick out the Russell's Barrel Pick for Sinkers Beverages, the number one liquor store in Nashville in 2022. I don't know how they're not going to be <laughs> the defending champ in 2023 as well uh, with a giveaway like that. So more information on that. Of course, uh, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Sorry to trick you there, Zach. I didn't mean to do that. It's uh, all right. You there. <laughs> Moving fast here. Uh, buildkg.com. You guys know the drill. The Kingston Group. Um, Nationals locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Um, just make sure you know the name, the Kingston Group, and then anytime you need anything with your house, you talk to them. All right, we're going to get into OTAs week number two, I guess. I guess we're at practice five or six technically. Uh, the media was available. They do media availability, but like yes. week two of the whole thing. Right. Um, and quarterbacks are inconsistent. Shocking. Uh, Brett Kern has retired. DeAndre Hopkins news, of course. You and I have not been on the air since he was released by the Arizona Cardinals. He is now an option, potentially, for the Titans. We'll get into why they would or wouldn't want to go after that dirt, uh, that player. Maybe why he would or would not want to come here. Uh, is he completely lying to everybody about all of his desires and demands? Oh, whatever. <laughs> Spoiler alert, 100%. 100%. 100 <laughs> and then, of course, all the SEC coaches are down in Destin running their mouths because they cannot agree on what the scheduling model should be in the SEC. It's so we'll very, it's very interesting. I, I find this topic very interesting because I've been reading uh, a couple of the good articles over at the athletic.com about the situation and about who is being vocal, who's not being vocal, who they're getting comments from, who they're not getting just, it's very, it's not at all what I expected when I started diving into the subject of who the top guy is. That's really pushing all this stuff and who is, uh, seems to know the most about it and kind of knew in advance, it seems like, the athletic director I'm I'm, a, I'm a alluding to. Yes. Well, well, there's a lot of interesting ins and outs and what it have you and, uh, and stuff in that conversation. I, I There is only one solution. It will end up as only one solution. The question is, how long does it take us to get there and how many egos are hurt along the way? So we'll, we'll describe. We'll tell you what we think should happen, uh, and then we'll let you guys decide for yourselves. It's kind of what's going on as well. So a lot of stuff going on. Uh, on the show today again always rate review subscribe to all the products we do appreciate it stacking the inbox football and other f words uh, you got all the other great shows fringe element lamestring sports club and country gold standard of course the predators changed coaches this week so uh we got a lot of analysis there. that was so that was some interesting remarks uh from barry trotz and company about the the brunette is it brunette or burnett Br brunette brunette andrew brunette, uh, brunette higher so yes you know, yeah. it's pretty, so, I, you know, it's pretty exciting. Offensive minded, one of the best offensive minded head coaches in the NHL, I think, believe was a, the yeah. phrase used to describe him. Um, which it's like the it, Titans. It, well, yeah, I was about to say, it feels like quite the opposite of the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. But hey, you know, it is what I, it well, is. Nashville, I see one of the best teams in, in MLS right now that with an MVP candidate. So make sure you're tuned into club and country. Again, there is anything that you need covered when it comes to Nashville sports. 
440 Sports, Broadway Sports Media, F-Words. We got you covered, so make sure you're subscribing and uh, supporting good local reporting, local content, local digital shows. We do appreciate it. Um, so we'll get to all that stuff. Brett Kern, DeAndre Hopkins, Titans OTAs, SEC scheduling. So a full show today. Hope everybody had a great Memorial Day. Uh, I don't know what you did, Zach, but I basically disconnected from the world uh, and uh, hopped through rivers in Tennessee with my two daughters and my wife. We went to like seven waterfalls and three state parks, Damn. stayed in a cabin with no oven or showers. There was so an outdoor you, so shower. So you decided yeah. not to take the advice and you decided to go chase all the waterfalls. <laughs> I did. I did. Yes, I do go chasing waterfalls routinely on holidays. Uh, and much like Rand Carthon, I just did a lot of sitting and thinking. There you go. No, no screens, not just sitting and thinking. Um, so there you have it. Uh, Stoney went to Apalachicola and puked on the side of the road while his wife was trying to enjoy the sunrise. Beautiful moment captured on, in picture form. If you is have there, not seen the picture, really? it's on Twitter. <laughs> God. It is great. Oh my God. That's quite absurd. Uh, quite ridiculous. So, um, all right. Well, so I guess we need to give everybody an update on our prize pack giveaway here, because again, we have a, a, a chance for two people to go uh, on what is essentially a, a insider's barrel pick for what all liquor stores do. They go up to their distilleries. They pick the, the specific thing they want to put in their stores, high quality of standards, right? Well, what does that process look like? And how much fun can it be? <laughs> Singers Beverages is going to challenge uh, that standard. There. I mean, think of all the free samples you're going to get. I mean, that to me, at first off, it's a free ride up there, right? Party bus. Second off, you're going to have you and I there to just where we we are we are pleasant company to be around. We can bro out. It doesn't even we don't even have to talk Titans. We can talk about life. I I got a lot of opinions about life stuff. <laughs> So we can talk about whatever. It doesn't have to be Titans. We can talk you, about the Preds. We can talk if, about Nashville SC. It doesn't matter. If, if you're on a trip with Zach and, and I, you will not be short on opinions of anything. Right. Or disagreements. I mean, the, the, yeah. you could yeah. get your front row seats to some big disagreements between me and Braden. <laughs> um, but you free ride up there. You're going to get free samples while you're up there. You're going to taste and help pick and learn what to look for. I mean, which I think is pretty cool. Learn, you know, I just yeah. joined in our neighborhood a bourbon and beer club, but it's mainly bourbon. And like, look, I just, I just grabbed a bottle of four roses, poured on the glass, poured on the rocks, and there I go. I don't know anything about bourbon, so I'm very excited personally to learn what you look for in picking for a barrel. But don't forget the free drinks on the way up and yep. on the way yep. back. Yep. <laughs> And all the free opinions on the way up and, yeah. and probably more opinions on the way back. Uh, I don't think there's any tannins involved, so that's good. I don't yes. think there's any tan tannins involved or, or, or legs or whatever it is that you do with wine. Uh, by the way, Stoney already in the comments. Appreciate it. I'm wearing his shirt here. Uh, got to coach better. Got to play better. Sobros Network. Check them out as well. Always doing really cool work. I get their well. new shirt when he goes on sale. Uh, I know. Playing the board, roll the dice. It's good. It's good shit. I like it a lot. Good job, Stoney. As usual, bangers. Um, okay, so here's the deal, though. You have to go into sinkers, sign up for the in crowd, which is really something you should do anyway. Because and you it, can it, do it online as well. Mm -hmm. You don't. Oh, that's true. That's true. Go to go to. There's an article or in the link for the uh, podcast for all the YouTube videos for all the Facebook videos. There's a link to Sinkers Beverages, like, and or you could just Google Sinkers Beverages Nashville. Click that link. Sign up for the in crowd. Go to Apple Podcasts, because if you do it, I can't see who does reviews on Spotify. And I only look at Spotify, 
and I only look at Apple Podcasts. If you are on Stitcher or any other loser app like that, I am I'm not going searching for you. So go to Apple Podcasts, five star rating, review. Make sure you put a name that we down that we would know you by, and then subscribe. So it's rate, review, subscribe, subscribe to the in crowd. You should already be subscribed to the podcast. Right. I, I was going to say, I, and honestly, you could just write review in the review. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Five star review in the review. And that and then you would qualify. That's all right. it is. We just need reviews and ratings and uh, go to the in crowd. And then we will hand select two people to go with us. And it will be a random drawing. Like I'm going to put everybody's name in a Google spreadsheet and you can click randomize, you know, three different times. And the top two names are going to be the top two names. There you go. We're going to do it. So there you go. There's how you do it. There's how you enter. And again, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. You're going to January have to take... 13th. So that is right. Or is it a couple of weeks? So you have yeah, to take a week. You're going to have to take a Monday off, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, Monday, the Monday, the 12th or Tuesday, the 13th. I'm not sure yet. We'll confirm. Oh, uh, uh, we need two sources on that. Yeah. Um, okay. So let, Brett, Brett Kern announces his retirement here. And I'll just give you a couple of quick, quick. And his numbers. retirement presser is going on right now, so that's probably where our usual chat buddies are hanging out. They betrayed us to watch a punter retirement press conference. You yep. losers! So, fifteen years. UDFA, two thousand and eight. Denver, twenty-two games. Claimed off waivers midway through two thousand and nine. Forty-five point nine yard career average that is 15th all-time in nfl history 100 1006 punts that's 25th all-time in nfl history 46,000 and some change yards that is 19th in nfl history his 396 punts inside the 20 are eighth all-time so he is eighth all-time 15th all-time the two most important categories he is the he's played the third most games of any tennessee titan slash houston oiler of all time bruce matthews of course with 296 uh, Elvin Bethea with 200, 210, which leads us to a whole other conversation about how the Titans need players to play for them longer in general. Yeah. Uh, but Brett Kern with 197, third all time, and would be number one in Titans history if limiting it to just Titans history. He was one of the best directional punters of our generation. And I, I guess, I, how, how, how many punters are in the Hall of Fame? I, I don't know. Um, is he the greatest punter of franchise history? Yes, it's a no brainer. Is he one of the best punters of our generation in NFL football? Yes, I think that's a no-brainer. Um, does I, I don't know where this, the line is on Hall of Famers for special teamers because kickers and punters have a tough Only time. Only one punter in. in the Hall of yeah. Fame, and that is Ray Guy. They have a tough time getting in. Um, they have a tough time being viewed as people uh, also. So there you go. That's a lot of, I mean, best special teamer in Titans franchise history, Oilers fr Titans mm -hmm. franchise history probably. So Yeah, he's a good guy. Is that Brett Kern? Great punter. That's my analysis. Great, great punter. Uh, interesting interview. Yeah. Always entertaining. Um, but I, I'm with you. Like, I'm not sure I need the, the press conference for a punter. I, I'm not. Uh, I know that it's like just normal kind of stuff to honor someone. But, you know, essentially the Tennessee Titans don't have a lot of people they can honor. <laughs> so I guess you just I guess punter moves to the top of the list when you have just basically rosters filled with piles of dog shit that don't ever amount to anything so this is where you what you get well i think it's also like he's also be, really good not to downplay i was gonna say like be is he be, he'll be in the ring of honor even though it's not that hard to get in the ring of honor you know he he's just a very well-liked guy he'll get his little right. name on a poster board they'll put it up in the 300 section or whatever they're gonna do by the time 2027 rolls around 
I don't know. Like, what do you what do you all want me to say about Brett Kern other than hey, he kicked the ball really far and he usually was right on the uh, on the button where it needed to go. I, I guess I don't have. A, I'm kind of with you. Like, I'm not sure. You know, retirement ceremonies are kind of. I don't know. I don't really stand for for much ceremony in general in life. But I think. I think it's okay to celebrate a guy who is the like one of like if you were to look at the Titans franchise and say who on this in this franchise has been the one of the best, if not the best player at his position for a period of time for his career. Listen, and there's just he was there's the not best been... player on the Titans team a couple of seasons. I mean, there there was for all in, intents and purposes that essentially. Brett Kern was in the punter for a reason because he was the one player yeah. you count on weekly in some really dark times. I mean, there are times where is Taylor Lewan and, and still Brett Kern was the better player. Like, like it's that's more of a sad fact about the franchise, but not to again, not to I, I have a hard time straddling this is why I wasn't really too interested in talking about this topic. Because I have a hard time straddling between not diminishing what Brett Kern has done, but also we got to keep it in perspective. This team was just total trash. I can't walk that line. Right, right. Like, let's not diminish Brett Kern's accomplishments, but definitely diminish the Titans' like, I mean, general, they, they general got, state like, of being. Yeah, like they have... <laughs> slideshows going on right now you know all the like ryan suckup showed up but we get pictures of ryan suckup there like who gives a shit that ryan suckup is there bo brinkley came back like it's a little it's a little too much pageantry for me i i i think that's the case for everybody like even uh, like uh, oh unless... i'm sure there are people that are like tuned in they're like oh man i love brett kern I, I, there are definitely yeah i mean look like he that. He was very good. He was very, very good. Best player on the team at times. And that is, again, more of a statement about the team than anything else. Uh, but I do think, again, like looking at any of these teams, like in our in our market at Nashville SC, we need more time. But with the Preds, for example, like Pecorine is a borderline Hall of Famer. We don't know that. But was he one of the best goaltenders in the world during his career? Not the best, but like one of among the best. And like the answer is yes, he probably was one of the top four or five goaltenders in the NHL for the majority of his career. And having somebody on your team that is the best at anything or among the best at anything, I think is worth celebrating. Now, yeah. does it need to have more than what we're going to do here with like a six minute conversation? Probably not. Um, but again, he also played for a lot of different dudes. Like, yeah. Started with Jeff Fisher and everybody in between him and Mike Brabel. So um, anyway, congratulations on a great career. I don't know what else to say about Brett Kern. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, go to Sinker's Beverages and remember the name, the Kingston Group. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins, which I feel like is the thing that most people are interested in. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So uh, of the latest, I don't know how much news people have consumed about this. I was sort of disconnected for a few days, like right after it broke. He has gotten a new agent. He will turn 31 years old this year. He is going to take visits uh to places buffalo is interested but not a ton but He's... that has been that has changed so well, uh, they're, they're not all that. in apparently they're not all yeah. in apparently i don't know so um i was new the, the new york jets are apparently out doubt mike mccarthy for dallas had some comments he wanted to go to a quote contender but then there was a report that he has some interest in returning to houston which makes no sense at all um, so basically what we need to, what, what we need to do in my opinion, Zach is eliminate all of the news that's out there circulating. Cause who knows what the hell any of it means. And just look at what this would mean for the Titans. 
how to approach it. Should they go after him? Is there value there? Is it a smart play for the Tennessee Titans to make some phone calls and find out what it would cost to bring in DeAndre Hopkins? Well, they they already know what it costs to bring in DeAndre Hopkins because they were talking to the Arizona Cardinals about the third overall pick, and I am thoroughly convinced that the Cardinals have tried to move DeAndre Hopkins and that number three overall pick at the same time, which requires, because DeAndre Hopkins wants to take a, um, was willing at the time to talk about his contract, which means that teams have to uh, talk to, because of these trade talks, talk to his camp and his representation already. So the the reason why he wasn't traded is because everybody knew that he wasn't really wanting to come off his price and take incentive-laden deals with Buffalo or Kansas City, which means, again, if he wasn't willing to take incentive-laden deals, it's all about money. This top five quarterback list that got blown up, well, these are the top five quarterbacks I'd love to play with. It should have had an asterisk, and it should have said, these are the top five uh, NFL quarterbacks I'd love to play with as long as I get a ton of money from the team. So let's – I was going to say, it sounds like you got more, so I don't want to move on, but I want to take the money away from it for a second, which obviously you can't do, but just take the money away from it for a second and just say, what percentage of DeAndre Hopkins do you need for him to be of value to the team? And I don't think it's very high. I think if it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, for the Tennessee Titans, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think it's like I think if it's like fifty percent of like good DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, he is of value to the Tennessee Titans. So we know the there- position depth, we know the needs. He is clearly of value. So even if it's seventy percent of good DeAndre Hopkins, I think he is a tremendous addition to the team. There, there's, there's so much value from Hopkins that for this team that it's it's almost like when Jadavi and this is get I feel like this is going to be a Jadavian Clowney type situation where it just keeps on lingering and then his price comes down comes down comes down because Jadavian Clowney was the same thing and yep. I wouldn't be surprised that almost the same exact teams are involved you know the Browns the Titans you know like all these teams it's just it's deja vu a former Texans player that could really help this team <laughs> the difference is, is that I feel like there is so much more impact from a guy like DeAndre Hopkins of his stature compared to a guy like Jadavian Clowney, who wasn't really, he was supposed to be kind of like Bud Dupree, a force multiplier, right? Like he's not really the guy that racks up the stats and all that kind of stuff. Cause that was the big knock on him. But DeAndre Hopkins has all has all the stats and like I have zero doubt about two things. DeAndre Hopkins would change the outlook of this season for the majority 90% of the fan base and the Titans have already been in contact with this representation. Like if you don't just because it's not being reported that the Tennessee Titans have talked to DeAndre Hopkins, I want you to go watch the Mike Vrabel press conference from Wednesday. <laughs> and when he is asked about DeAndre Hopkins, he immediately scratches his face. There's a little bit of a smirk, and then he yeah. gives his normal coaching answer. We know, based on DeAndre Hopkins' own words back in 2018 when Mike Vrabel was hired, that they have more than just a football relationship. So just because it hasn't been reported doesn't mean it hasn't been reached out. Yeah. And think about it this way. Charles London, Pat O'Hara, Mike Vrabel, Tim Kelly, 
all have working relationships at one point or another with DeAndre Hopkins. I also want you to remember this, and it and I meant to tweet this out, and it hasn't been brought up, but I did write about stackingtheinbox.com, and you should subscribe. This went out on Memorial Day, but there's a reason why you subscribe to stackingtheinbox.com because I go a little bit deeper than everybody else. It is Rand Carthon's relationship, technically. He has a opposing view relationship of DeAndre Hopkins. His job over with the 49ers was to scout the teams of that week, their opponents, and scout the players. He is. They have played... There was one game in 2017 when the Texans played the 49ers, so he would have done it then. Then after that, he was an Arizona Cardinal, so they've done it twice a year. And you know what DeAndre Hopkins did versus the 49ers? Averaged 105.2 yards per game. There hasn't been a receiver, I don't think, that has averaged 105 yards per game for the Tennessee Titans. So, like, this Ever. Is- <laughs> but that was part of his job. So he knows how right. much left in the tank for DeAndre Hopkins and what he could do for this team. And I know I'm going on a really long time, and I only remember what the original question actually was, but I just so passionate. Like, I am more passionate about what DeAndre Hopkins can do for this team and more into the notion that this is really realistic to happen than I ever was about Julio Jones. Julio Jones was, was pretty great but there was all kinds of issues and red flags with Julio Jones and they're two totally different receivers Uh, so okay there's a lot there to digest Um, a lot of good stuff I think the relationships and this is like something that I think is hilarious that college football fans complain about when they complain about tampering in the portal and stuff and it's like tampering happens in every single walk of life in the history of humankind it's called business um, people have human relationships that you cannot remove. And Mike Vrabel can text DeAndre Hopkins and be like, yo, dude, what's up? Like, same thing with London and O'Hare. Like, these guys know each other. They all run in the same circles. They all can get each other's numbers. They, and these guys have even deeper relationships. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so I don't relationships. I don't think it's as, as uh, he is clear of red flags. He's missed 15 games in two seasons, the last two seasons, for different reasons, including PED suspension. So at 31 years old, is he just holding on for dear life? Is it about to all fall apart? Who knows? Now, he averaged almost 80 yards a game last year, which is way up from the year before. Um, And I still think because of the position of need, he's a tremendous value. I I think that ultimately leads to what, what is the price point that makes any sense at all? And that is ultimately what all these decisions eventually come down to is can you does it make sense financially? And I, I, you tell me the contract. I want to know what Zach Lyons would think of, like, where, where is the, what's the contract in which you say, don't like the decision, bad move? What, what's the, what are, what's the terms of the contract and the headline, if it were to break, that they are signing DeAndre Hopkins? What, where's the line where you say, that's the, ba- that's a bad deal? I don't think that he, he does. Oh, man. That, that's tough because, you know, you have to get into the minute details of the contract for like, like if it a fully guaranteed deal, okay, I'm out. Like you know, what I'm saying so. Like if there's an, if it's a three year, uh, thirty nine million dollar deal, but it's a most of that is funny money and incentives and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't sound really bad. But if it's a three year, thirty nine million dollar fully guaranteed deal, like I'm out. You know, what I'm saying it's it's kind of hard. 
I would tell you what I would prefer of how to construct the deal is I am out on a one year deal because I think that it's going to have a lot of, it's going to eat up some of your cap space next year in terms of dead money and you're getting nothing out of it. I think you do a multi-year deal, get a really low cap hit. You don't have to mess with any contracts. You don't need to restructure anybody. Don't need to extend anybody because that's how you get into these bad contracts later down the road because you got to make room for Julio Jones. I I think that if you go a, a multi-year contract, big signing bonus, and then you can still tack on void years. Like, like I think a three-year deal is perfect. I think a three-year deal for DeAndre Hopkins is perfect. I liken the DeAndre Hopkins career art to Larry Fitzgerald. And now it's coming a little bit sooner than what it did for Larry Fitzgerald. But he's not a receiver that relies on explosiveness. And if he was a receiver that relied on explosiveness, I'd be more scared about his age. He is a possession receiver that makes contested catches, by pushing off because offensive pass and interference all the time. But now it works for you. Now it works for the Tennessee Titans. But he is that receiver. So he ages better than a Julio Jones. He prolongs his career longer than a Julio Jones because he can be, he can eventually go into the slot by year three of the contract. You know, what and I'm I, I agree with that. I think that's a critical point because I don't I think they're similar in like their their size. They're similar in that they have questions and concerns and red flags, but they are not similar in one major aspect. And that is that DeAndre Hopkins has built his entire existence as a football player on having a lot of dog inside of him. And I've talked to Rob Moore about this personally, like you got to have dog inside you to be a great receiver. And the only reason he's been great is because of that, that tenacity that he has. And Julio Jones, I think, at the end of his career, who also was built a lot more on explosiveness, like you said, I just don't think he had that dog in him anymore. I think he he had done a lot of work. And uh, so I think there is tremendous value. Now, I am shocked at three years, $40 million as a potential. Like, I... I, I I don't I don't know if he's got is. I mean don't don't I I never said that it I think that he's worth three or thirty nine I'm just saying like I was using that as an example of okay okay so that's over fifteen million dollars you know per year or something like that I mean uh, it's like thirteen ish what, what would you which what, would be what? I I I can't speak on it I I can't tell you what I would pay because I think that the I think you, okay, how about this? What do you think? I think that's disingenuous for me to say that I would do something when I construct and look at contracts differently than everybody else. And uh, because I would okay. do incentive laden contract, that's why I stuck with I think three years is the perfect amount of time. And then you tack on two void years for the signing bonus, whatever that may be, to lower down your cap hit for the remaining of the years. So you kind of believe that somebody is going to probably overpay. And give him. Oh yeah, because I mean, like I was. He ain't I'm playing kinda... until he gets overpaid. Right now, I mean, and I don't know what an overpay technically looks like because I guess where I'm at this point now, where I'm so in tune with how contracts are laid out. Like you look at the Odell Beckham Jr. contract, his cap hit is what like three million dollars this year, but he's getting paid like fifteen or sixteen million. It's just. You know, there's it's, hard, just, it's hard to tell. Yeah, it's hard to tell what a bad contract is until you actually see the details of the contract. You right. can make, you can have your overarching, sweeping generalization, uh, hot take radio spewing out 
you know, the, all that's a bad contract. Then when you start getting into the contract details, like it's not that bad. Kyler Murray, that's a terrible contract. I've never seen a worse contract outside of that guy that gets paid. Uh, was it Bobby Vanilla or whatever the? Uh, uh, we, why, we don't have to talk about that. Yeah, that guy. Whatever that guy is still getting Bobby, paid. Bo- Bobby Kyler, Bonilla. You get, uh, Kyler Murray's contract is the worst contract I've ever seen in the NFL. It's 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 harmful. It's toxic to the Arizona Cardinals. It's radioactive. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. I just I like for the Tennessee Titans. Here's where I'm at. I will say this. If the Tennessee Titans said they paid, they signed DeAndre Hopkins to a one-year $15 million deal. Let's just say one-year $15 million. Is it maybe an overpay? Probably not when you think Christian Kirk is getting $18 million a year. DeAndre Hopkins is better than Christian Kirk for sure. Uh, 100%. Right yeah, there definitely is. Who averaged uh, more yards per game? I, I, I'd have to double check. Hopkins was at like 57 two years ago on PEDs and played 10, nine what games was last, he last year. And he was, he what? averaged 79 yards a game last year at, and he only played nine games. So I, yeah. I don't, I, I, my, I honestly don't know what, you know, like if you told me I got 80% of DeAndre Hopkins, then yes, he's significantly better than Christian Kirk. I, I'm saying 5.2 yards per game for Christian Kirk last year. What I am saying is that you don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows what DeAndre Hopkins is anymore. What yes, percentage we you're, we, get, we what percentage you're getting of him? We saw it last year. We saw what he was. And half a it's season. already came out. Listen, it's the, the last half of the season, and it's already came out that those final two games, he basically wasn't really injured. And now the Cardinals are kind of walking that back so they don't get any more trouble since they you know, got in trouble for tampering because they don't want to get in trouble for tampering with the injury thing. Is that it was a lost season last year, and he still did better. Like he is better than Christian Kirk. I, I, he is no I, doubt. W- again, I would say eighty percent of DeAndre Hopkins is better than Christian Kirk. Right. I, what I am saying is, I don't know what percentage of DeAndre Hopkins you are getting anymore. I don't know. I don't think anyone can say that they know definitively. If he is like taking care of his body and is in complete great shape and is working his ass off to be the best player he possibly can be. He's not taking PEDs surefire sign of bodies breaking down by the way, doesn't you don't normally get off the PEDs and then like get, get better all the time. His body's been getting injured more often. He's had a lot of injuries. I just, if, if it's perfect and you can get 80% of him, then absolutely. I don't think there's a number that is bad for the Titans one year, two year, three year, how you work the deal. I don't think it's bad. I, I just don't think you can say that with any certainty. And I, I I think I think that you are looking at worst case scenario for DeAndre Hopkins, a guy who will at least get you 700 plus yards. Like worst case scenario. That is fantastic for the Tennessee Titans. Is that good for other teams? I don't know. Depends on the situation. Like if he went to the Texans and he got like only 700 yards, that probably is not moving the needle much for that roster. For this roster, with Traylon Burks, with Chigo Conquo, with Ty J Spears, with Josh Wiley, with uh, yeah, uh, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, that moves the needle. What he it's it for the Tennessee Titans specifically. I, if they got a seven or eight hundred yard receiver, and that's what I've been harping on to pair with Traylon Burks, because I initially thought that Chig would be that guy. Now. You may have two seven or eight hundred yard receivers to pair with Traylon Burks. And 
I think that Mike made this point, and you maybe have made it, but I can't remember who, but someone has likened Traylon Burks to DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know who it was, but someone did. But if you're bringing in DeAndre Hopkins, to there's your veteran presence that everybody's been wanting. There's your mentor for Traylon Burks to make contested catches, to you know use his body, to get the I, dog yeah, in the I, agree. I don't know. I just feel like there's no... It's hard for me looking at this roster saying you can't spend X amount on a wide receiver. I could do that for Jarvis Landry. I can't do that for DeAndre Hopkins. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. They, they I, put I, themselves in such a bad, bad position. <laughs> that you're going to pay and $15 think, million dollars for 800 yards? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that Mike Vrabel knew that DeAndre Hopkins was going to get cut, and that's why he said what he said at the last day of the draft, because they've already been in conversations yeah. with the Cardinals. He probably got a little feeling that, yeah, he's not long for that team, and nobody's going to trade for him, and nobody did trade for him, I guess, through the draft. There you go. I no, think his, that maybe he knows. I, I agree that his answer was very cheeky. It yeah. was a very cheeky answer uh, of a, I'm trying not to give away anything with my nonverbal communication. Uh, was Mike Brable. Uh, so look, uh, there's no question he adds tremendous value. I agree he would be a great mentor to Traylon Burks. I don't, it probably was not me who made that comparison because I think Burks has far more explosiveness after the catch. Whereas Hopkins, it, they have very different bodies. Like they, they are built in very different mm -hmm. ways in terms of their bodies. Like Traylon Burks is just huge lower body compared to Hopkins. Hopkins was never like actually open, like in his career. He's just a phenomenal. He's got, he's very much to me, he's like Devontae Adams. Um, they're just guys that know how to play the position at a very high IQ level uh, and then have really good physical, you know, uh, mentality to go out and get the ball. So uh, I think he's of tremendous value. How, how much does he cost? I, you know, we'll, we'll see over time. Um, we'll get to OTAs and SEC scheduling here in just a little while, but make sure again, sinkers beverages, search Uber eats for sinkers beverages. They will deliver the booze directly to your house, Zach, directly to your house. They'll drive so you can drink. You Sorry, go. I got well, someone knocking on my door trying to figure out who it is. I, I've, I've, uh, you got you got one of those ring things? You mm -hmm. got one of the ring things? Uh, go to Sinker's Beverages, of course, in East Nashville. You got Bluegrass up in Hendersonville. Uh, that's the sister store up there that sponsors football and other efforts. So make sure you check out both of those stores. Sign up for the in crowd. Write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we will absolutely put you in to the drawing to take you up on a bourbon visit courtesy of sinkers there is no prize like this that i've ever seen i've been in radio for 20 plus years i have never seen a prize like this it's never happened so uh we shall see um kingston group of course buildkg.com is the website my wife and i wanted a, a car i'll just give you an example of how kingston group helped us out we wanted to build a carport but we needed to be like attached to a shed it needed to match the style of our house and she had all kinds of little extra things she wanted on it to make it look good you know they came out they searched the entire country to match our shingles. We had, we have weird shingles apparently on our house when we built the house. I don't know how that happened, but we did apparently. And they said they searched the entire country, couldn't find it, found one pallet of shingles in Utah, had those shingles shipped all the way to Nashville, didn't charge us for it, and got the shingles up on the roof to match the house. And so now the, the carport and the, and, the, and the house match. They matched the paint. They matched the style. They matched the siding. They did everything. Uh, and now she wants to do some more stuff. And they've already put us in contact with a company that will do the smaller work around the house because that's what they do. They help you solve problems around your house. Yeah, yeah. Group. Rock on. Buildkg.com. Uh, okay. Sinkers Group, buildkg.com. Have I said the names enough, Zach? Have, yes. have we, re have we reached so. the, the quota? 
Uh, for OTAs, I, I wasn't able to go. I was at the Preds press conference on Wednesday because they scheduled it at 1 o'clock, and it's the first time we got a chance to talk with Andrew Brunette, the new head coach, Barry Trotz, David Poyle, etc. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to go actually watch with my own two eyes. Uh, but I had a couple observations. I don't know. Christian Fulton was was the main one back in the building. Was not on the field, but I guess was working with some of the injured people. Uh, what did you make of <laughs> the injured people? What did, you, what did you make of Christian Fulton returning to the state of Tennessee? Uh, probably kind of like heard what Mike Vrabel was saying, heard all the commentary around him. Was like, oh, I guess I better get there. Um, like glad he's back. Hate that he's possibly injured, kind of like Monty Rice. Like, God, what, what, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, he, I guess he pulled a muscle doing uh yoga or something. Yeah, uh, a couple of other random observations. Uh, Trey Wolf, the Texas Tech rookie, the undrafted free agent kicker. That's right, I'm starting with a kicker. Uh, I guess went eight of eight again. He looked solid the, the week that I was out there last week. He looked good. I think he went eight of eight when I was out there. So as of now, 16 of 16 and Caleb Shudak is not kicking at all. So uh, right now, the rookie from Texas Tech, Trey Wolf, is 16 of 16 in visible practices. He might have sucked total donkey balls <laughs> in all of the other practices, but the two in front of the media Hasn't missed a single kick. Hey, that's so a high pressure situation in front of you it guys is. because I mean, yeah. there's there's nobody there's nobody yeah. that wants kicker a kicker to succeed more, and nobody no no media group in America that gives more attention <laughs> to the kicker position than Titans media group. Like you, I, I you will, guys need it, dude. I will say it's so funny because like they go to that that period, and I kind of I kind of am like okay, I'm not as interested anymore, and I back off. But you will never like I see the entire line of them all. It's all like the same folks that you know, and they're all lined yeah. up, and they're like. Oh, was that that was left hash on the twenty-six yard line? Okay, that's good. Okay, what? Well, and it's right hash on the twelve yard line. Okay, now it's now it's left hash. Okay, was that uh, was that the thirty-five? Okay, it's the thirty-five yard line. Okay, and and they track every single kick, and it's because the Titans haven't had a kicker that's any good right. for like ten years. So, which I'm yeah. all I'm all in on you know a kicker being great, and this is why you have probably like I said, they're willing to give these guys a lot of leash, a lot of leeway in these OTAs before they go sign at sign a veteran kicker. And listen, it worked for Ryan Stonehouse. It might as well work for Trey Wolf. Like, we can't really say that it won't because now this is a kicker that Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel have brought in, yeah. not John Robinson. And, and by on, the way, he's beating John Robinson's boy that he brought in. Right. And on the same day that Brett Kern, a waiver wire undrafted free agent in the middle of the season, and we just said was arguably the best Titan of the last 15 years. I, I like, I think they're outthinking themselves and think they're too smart or whatever. But at the same time, you look at Ryan Stonehouse and Brett Kern and go, uh, well, I see why you think you can keep doing this. I do think punter is different than, than kicker. I think kickers are drafted and generally are really, really good when they're drafted. Um, I, I, you can punters. You just kind of have to find everywhere. So I, I don't know. Right. I, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I thought one interesting note, because Will Levis, was not particularly consistent when I saw him a week ago. It, it appears that he did not particularly have a great practice uh, on, on Wednesday either. But I, I think it's all to be expected. Mm -hmm. I think Malik Willis, the more interesting conversation is, and Charles London spoke to the media, I think. I, I don't Was it for the first time? I think it was for the first time yes. on Wednesday. It was the, for the first time because nobody knew he was that short. <laughs> right, right. But he mentioned they evaluated Malik Willis last year, which, of course, is interesting because 12 picks earlier than the Titans take Malik Willis, 
the Atlanta Falcons did not take Malik Willis and drafted Desmond Ritter. So very clearly, a lot more like Tannehill and Levis than Malik Willis. They clear and and a lot of complimentary mentioned it more than one time. He said about Levis, pro style experience, pro style experience, command of the huddle, under center, pro style experience. Uh, the more and more this goes, the more and more like it. I, I don't know what people think Malik will like. I I cannot believe the number of questions I get from like my coworkers at ESPN when I'm doing like ESPN shows. They're like, well. What like what's the deal with Malik Willis then? And I guess maybe national media, national fan base, national conversations just always revolve around where quarterback was was drafted. Like quarterbacks revolve around conflict. conflict. Well, they do and and value. Right? They do, Draft but it's value. not. It's even off air though. It's like it's it it's like if you draft a quarterback in the first three rounds, that person is going to be a main talking point about your team, no matter what, whether expectations are high or low. And it's just like, no, Malik Willis was a kind of an afterthought during the draft for the Titans. They threw a dart. It didn't really work. They went, they've got Ryan Tannehill. They drafted Will Levis. Why are you asking me about, about Malik Willis? Like, I, don't, I don't know. I, don't um, I guess here's where I'm at. Um, you know me. I'm usually a Twitter sewers guy. So I, I guess I kind of missed all the hubbub about the Will Levis thing. Because all I saw were tweets about Will people need to calm down about Will Levis? And I can't believe Titans Twitter so upset that he had a bad practice and everybody needs to calm down. But I didn't see any tweets to prompt that. It was like these are now preemptive tweets for Titans Twitter. And maybe I'm not in the sewer as, as as deep as I thought I was, and maybe I've crawled out of from the muck. But I I didn't really see the usual suspects of bad parts of Titans Twitter where they're they're toxic and in the replies and all mad. I saw a bunch of no names that people give air to, but uh, no one everybody was just everybody was like preemptively saying Titans Twitter needs to calm down about Will Levis. It doesn't matter, which is true. Yeah. But I yeah. didn't think anybody up in arms about it. Like it was just like it was a preemptive no. strike. I think last Thursday's show, we talked about this as we were sort of breaking down the practice. Like I saw a one drill where Will Will Levis made like three terrible throws against air without any defenders, not even seven on seven. And he, just he like a... will because he's a terrible quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Or, or <laughs> it is to be expected in OTAs of your rookie season as you're learning yes. a new offense uh, with a new you know, Charles London's new, Tim Kelly's new, the system's new, the receivers yeah. suck, and the offensive yeah, line so is new. <laughs> for the pro style offense of the hey, he comes from the Sean McVay style. Hey, guess what? We're gonna draft. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, we're gonna draft this guy that has experience in the Sean McVay offense that we normally run, and we're just gonna, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just change the whole system and just <laughs> toss that advantage out the window. It's like uh... drafting Malik Willis and expecting him to be able to fit any kind of pro style system. And and then being surprised that he does it like we drafted Brock Osweiler to run the zone read. It's great. Right. It's great. It, it's, it's just funny. Um, I don't think I don't it's know. as it's be grown pains. I mean, like, right, what, right. what is everybody expecting? And yeah, I don't I think agree. the outrage over yesterday's practice is as loud or as vocal or as yeah. toxic yeah. as what the talking heads of Titans Twitter, your 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 media members that were there make it out to be. Like, I, I mean, I, I think everybody was pretty kind of like, oh, well, it's just, yes, bad throws. 
I think le- I mean I don't know I don't I don't know about you but I am on Twitter less in general because it's just not as fun of a place to be anymore but like I want to hope that like we want people that listen to this show podcast or watch us or in the comments or not like I want to save my analysis of what I saw from Will Levis for the show like I want to talk to you guys about it I'm not out there just popping off tweets anymore because I just don't tweet it that much anymore and and some of it's cuz it's just not as fun like I just don't enjoy it as much as I used to, it's 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 worth thirty three percent of what it was what it was once was from a valuation standpoint. Right. So that's all you kind of need to know. The ads on that that platform are garbage now. Our ads are way better. Yeah, <laughs> go go to go to Sinkers and Kingston Group. Uh, but yeah, I want to say I want to save the good stuff for for the for the audience here. I mean, okay, so yeah, it's one pretty good practice, one okay practice, and one bad practice. Okay. Big whoop. That's that, there's yeah. your analysis, I guess. I mean, like, what what can you take away if you're a listener or a reader from this? Other than this, here's something that I will take away. They have had like five different people at center, and he is fumbling snaps because he's not getting used to any of them. I find it very odd that there are five. I'd I'd like to know the five. I would assume. Okay, we got Aaron Brewer, Corey Levin. We got Xavier Newman Johnson. We have who would be the the fourth the fourth and the fifth. I mean, are, you're not putting Skaronsky in there for any reps? Yeah, I mean, like I, it's interesting, but that's what Mike Vrabel said, <clears throat> and it makes sense why he's fumbling snaps. What I will take away from this is the fact that he fucking hates making mistakes. There's nothing more that Will Levis hates than making mistakes, and and he gets frustrated, and I like that. Because yeah. you know who doesn't get frustrated when they make a mistake? Malik Willis. He's just like, hashtag God bless. I'm everything's I, all rosy up here. I, I'm sort of like I just I don't even have a comment on Malik Willis about anything. He's not as bad as he was last year, but that's no, and expected, he's right. And and he's working really hard and he's doing all the right things, and that's that's fine. But like until he is relevant, I don't and I'm not trying to be rude to him or whatever, but like I, I honestly don't, I don't care about anybody's will, uh, uh, Malik Willis take. There's just Here's not a, some... there's, there's not an opinion that I care about because he is not a right. relevant factor on this team until he becomes relevant. Here's things that, that matter to me from OTAs: the, the ease of the offense getting out of the huddle. That it seems to be a continual theme from the players that the benefits of this offense and this new scheme are going to be dramatic. The positionless football, at least in OTAs, that they alluded to in the offseason, is showing up. Yep. Okay? Now, does this really mean that this is what the offense is going to be, that they're going to go empty backfield a lot, and they're going to have you know just everybody spread out, and maybe Derrick Henry is playing tight end, and Derrick Henry is out wide all the way out onto the right hash mark? No. But what it means is at least they're getting creative and trying new things. And because we need to quit, and Easton made this point because he was talking to Rhett Bryan, but I heard it on the Hot Read podcast. And this is the point I was trying to make sort of with Mike on Football and Other F-Words a couple of weeks ago, is that first off, the system is going to dictate the production of the wide receivers a lot. This particular system will. Because there's going to be ample opportunities. There's going to be a uh, spread style element to it. But we also need to quit looking at it as a wide receiver room and as a pass catching group 
for the projection, for the outlook of your Tennessee Titans when you're looking at stats. It is Traylon Burks is your number one pass catcher. Chigo Conquo is your number two pass catcher. Kyle Phillips is your number three pass catcher. But Kyle Phillips is probably not your number three wide receiver, right? Like he's your or your number two wide receiver. Or right. yeah, you get what I'm saying. It, it, like, it is it is tight ends, receivers, running backs all together in all position. matter and in, the pass catching. Group. Yes, like Tajay Spears, Spears, Spears is going to be awesome. And Tajay I'm Spears gonna, was, me and Sonny yeah. are going to look like fucking geniuses. Spears was uh, was once again uh, an active member on on Wednesday in practice as well. Um, so no, I think that's totally Which is fine. remarkable considering he only has one leg. I well. That's true. I mean, so, I cannot believe they let him play with a wheelchair out there. He's well, no, he hops. Oh, he, he hops. Just hops. Just yeah, hops. He hop. yeah, he's very, very fast for a one-legged yeah. person. It's quite, quite remarkable. Um, I, I think, you know, to me, that's the main takeaway. I, the defense yeah, I, is very amped up and filled with energy. It yes, like. yes, which Chris Harris is a big part of the new defensive backs coach. So, um, I listen. I, I also think there was there was news of them practicing with Minnesota and New England in which I love. Those are my favorite. They're trying for New England, but they're definitely doing Minnesota in and Minnesota, I'm, which is unique. I, I hate that we I, you know we don't get to see it because I think it's the best part of the of training camp, but. Um, it's certainly the most fun. It's the most interesting, but I think seeing a different team is fine. They kind of practice with the, some of the same teams a lot. Um, uh, Arizona, of course, ironically last year. And so I think it'll be interesting to, to see with what they do against Minnesota, which is fun. Um, other than that, you know, again, I don't think there's a ton to take away from, from OTAs. I, I apologize to all of you for not being there. I, I normally have a lot more observational stuff when I actually get to watch it. So, uh, I'm not going to try to just like make stuff up off of Jim Wyatt's like mailbag, you know, <laughs> so, so um, I'll, I will have more for you when we get to go uh, the next time we're out there to see whatever it is the next phase of the offseason we get to see. So uh, otherwise, do you want to get into some uh, SEC scheduling here? Yeah, I, I I'm anxious to pick your your brain because the, the great debate going down there is whether there's going to be eight conference games or nine conference games, which means if there's nine conference games. What are the financial ramifications? Because you're going to have to cancel some non-conference games, which is leads me to the athletic director, like of the year for for Arkansas's our athletic director, who had the foresight to put into these non-conference games, and I don't know who else may have, but these the contract with these teams for these non-conference games, he says, um they basically will not have to pay out any money if they have to cancel a non-conference game or remove one from the schedule due to SEC expansion, which is a great, great foresight on his part because the, he's pushing for the nine game. And I guess what it's going to come down to, and uh, I'll ask you, is when, not if, right? Like it's when is it going to happen? And it doesn't seem like it's going to happen now, but it doesn't really matter if it happens now, right? Um. So I thought Eli Drinkowitz, the Missouri head coach's comments were my favorite. It's like I, I'm every time we come to these meetings, I am shocked that the 13 original colonies were able to create a union, and we can't agree on how many games to play in an SEC schedule, eight or nine. Uh, it, the conference office wants nine. I have it on pretty good authority that they want more teams playing more good games in more locations more often so they can sell it at a higher premium to their television partners and their season ticket holders. That's it. It's bet. It's more good football at a higher price point. That's, that's what nine games offers you. The questions are very valid. Does nine and three get you into the playoffs? We don't know what the new playoff committee structure is going to value. We assume strength of schedule matters, but 
we, we don't have that until 2024 and 2025. So 24 and 25, it's important to remember, we have a two-year like miniature trial period of the, of the playoff. The structure of those two years is decided. It is not decided past 2025. It, it is going to be a 12-team playoff, but things could be adjusted in that, right? Like what the committee values, where the games are played, the schedule and the timing of it all. Like there's things that could change. And so there is like a two-year trial period. And because they cannot agree, my prediction is that they say we are going to play eight games in these first two seasons of this new playoff while we all learn about how it is treated, what does the committee value, et cetera, et cetera, before we get to nine when the true new playoff and the new television contracts get negotiated in 2026. Yeah, because so that, right now they're, they're still in the, the talks of negotiating with ESPN. Greg Sankey's in ongoing talks because obviously you should get paid more money for more competition or better quality games. And more inventory. TV games, more inventory. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I found it interesting. There, there's because, Hang on, real, real fast. That, so you got a question. There's no there's no argument for eight games. They're really, right, they're really, right. They're really, I mean, really that, that essentially correct. Um the what do you think fans will care though either way like do you, yes you you think they will like they the, the love nine... they loved the all sec schedule during the pandemic loved it gotcha ratings were off the charts some of that was because we were all at home but they it, like the idea of playing all sec games all the time is of tremendous interest to fans and getting to play your rivals Texas and Texas A&M getting to play every year because they won't get to play in an eight game schedule every year. That is of tremendous value and interest to fans. Tennessee, Alabama wouldn't happen every year. If it's an eight game schedule, if it's a nine, it would, that is of tremendous interest and value to fans. If you are ever buying tickets to games or watching them, you want more good football. And more SEC football is what matters. The coaches that are complaining that don't want this are the ones who are worried about getting to bowl eligibility. And that's it. That's all it is. They're, they're not in it for like injury concerns. They're not like they're worried about getting into the playoff or getting to bowl eligibility. And those are the only two arguments. Otherwise, it's more money, better football, better ticket sales, better to see campuses more often. You're playing teams more often uh, on home and road games. You get to preserve the rivalries. The SEC office wants it. T television partners want it. There is no real argument. And oh, by the way, you know what I always say to people, right? You can't be more offended than the victim on social media. If somebody is offended by something, you can't be more offended than the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like if somebody gets treated yeah. a certain way and that person doesn't care, then you can't care. Here, here's the thing. And this is going to sound disrespectful to Vanderbilt and Clark Lee. <laughs> but the team that it, this would affect the most and hurt the most is Vanderbilt. It's not even close. Nine conference games for Vanderbilt makes getting to six wins more difficult for them than everybody else. Kentucky can get to six wins. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Missouri, South Carolina. They've all done it routinely. Vanderbilt's the one that has the toughest time getting to six wins, getting to a bowl. And Clark Lee has basically said on the record, I'm good with whatever they decide. <laughs> now, yeah. they, may, they may be one of the schools voting for eight and behind closed doors. But the head coach of the football program is on the record as saying, I'm excited either way. I'm good with eight. I'm good with nine. Let's go out and play ball. We got to do what we got to worry about ourselves. And if the guy who it affects the most doesn't care, then I don't think anybody else can care either.
So, so is the timetable? So you think the timetable is like 2026, roughly 2027? Uh, is it how yeah. much does Alabama's power conference schedule play into that? Because that was brought up in the in the article I read about the essentially the ESPN deal has to be or the next television rights deal has to be big enough to compensate schools that may lose out money on canceling conference schedule games. So how much does this really how much is Saban and Alabama delaying this behind the scenes? Well, he it's what's interesting is that he was longtime the biggest and most vocal nine game proponent. In fact, he's been saying, I want to play only power five teams and only SEC teams. No group of five, no FCS. And now he's sort of saying, well, but like eight's fine too. Like I, Saban's kind of, he had a weird week this week. Like college football is not a business. Okay, dude. <laughs> and then he was like, the next sentence, he was like, players should unionize. That makes them employees of a business. But either way, neither here nor there. I, I would assume that the game that gets removed from the schedule for a team like Alabama, which his, which Nick Saban's motivation is almost exclusively tied to the fact that his permanent rivals would be tougher than everybody else's. It's Alabama, Tennessee, and LSU. Or it's Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. And he's upset that his three permanent rivals would be a little bit tougher than everybody else's. Sorry, dude, you're Alabama. Mm. But I, I don't think you're removing the Power 5 opponent from the schedule that costs a lot of money. When they go play... You're removing someone like Troy. Yes. So think about the dollars of it all. Like when you go play Virginia Tech in Atlanta or USC in Dallas or, you know, whatever, neutral site kickoff classic, you are making both teams are making millions of dollars to go play that game at zero cost to themselves other than like travel. When you host Troy, which has technically never happened in the history of Alabama football because they will not play Troy. Political reasons, I guess. Um when that happens, you basically pay $800,000, $900,000, about a million dollars for a team to come play you at Alabama to win 65 to nothing. If you don't play that game, there's an out in the contract. You then have to pay the money back to the university anyway, probably at a reduced rate. So what you're doing is you're going to remove the one that costs you the least amount of money, UL Monroe, and then you're going to add a conference game, which then ESPN is going to pay you 5X for that game. So you're taking one step back and five steps forward is financially is what you're doing by adding a ninth game. Um, but mostly it's just, it makes for better football more often. It protects rivalries and it makes more money for people. Yeah. I think the most interesting point that was made the entire week in Destin was Kirby smart when he said, I think it, and he actually programmed like all of our podcasts for us when he was like, I think the more interesting discussion is, would you rather finish third and miss out on the championship game. And that is an interesting debate because think about last year. What would the pecking order have been last year in the SEC with one division? It would have been Georgia number one, Tennessee number two, Alabama number three. That would have been the top three. Alabama at 10 and two gets into a 12 team playoff. Mm -hmm. If Tennessee gets roasted by Georgia again and they fall to 10 and three, is there a chance they fall out of the top 12 because they had to play the extra game in Atlanta? And oh, by the way, Bama would have an extra week of rest as well. So that's why they're waiting to figure all that out. I, I think, I think it's half. I just think they're at an impasse. The half the league wants eight, half the league wants nine. The commissioner wants nine. The league wants nine. TV wants nine. Money wants nine. They'll eventually get there. 
the question is, does it happen in 2024 next year when Texas and Oklahoma join and they just do a clean break with a new schedule, no divisions, or do they, do they throw the eight gamers a bone and say, all right, we'll do a trial two year period here and see what the committee values. And if a bunch of nine and three sec teams get left out of the tournament because they lost the third game, that could be the impetus to, to, to keep it at eight. Right. So I think there, there is a two year grace period here where they could just say, well, I want to see what the committee says about our, all of our teams. I want to see what they say about strength of schedule and seating and, how do they view third and fourth and fifth place teams in the SEC? And if they put them all into the turn, if they put them all into the playoff at nine and three, I, you're going to go to nine games. Like, yeah, it, it's so I think there is sort of like a baked in excuse to stay at eight for two years. Um, but I, I don't like that. I don't think there's a reason to do it. I, I I'm a football fan. I want to see more good football games. That's it. I'm with you. That's I'm all I care you. about. So uh, I, it, I don't. I don't think. I don't think America. I don't think the committee can look at SEC schedules and be like, "Ah, oh, they're soft." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you can't. Sure, you can't. You can't do that. Um, it's the best conference by by a country mile. Okay, uh, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group. Thank you guys for supporting us. Please go to Sinkers. You can do it online. You can do it. It's in. The, it's in the show notes. It's linked up on all the pages. Um, sign up for the in crowd. Le- leave a review, and we five will star put- rating. Five star rating. We will enter you into the in, into the giveaway, and the winner will get a trip on a barrel pick selection from Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group as well. BuildKG.com. You know the website. Uh, football and other f words. Stacking the inbox. Broadway Sports Media. Four Forty Sports. All the other great shows uh, from across the network. We do appreciate it, Stony. I've ignored you for long enough. I can do it for five more seconds. For Zach Lyons, I am Braden Gall. Thank you for listening to the show. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>